So this is week two of our series, Persevere. We are now in Exodus chapter four. So Moses had this whole kind of experience thing in chapter three, which we were talking about last week. Um, then Moses answered, Behold, they will not believe me, nor listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Okay, just the first verse. That's literally as far as we're going to get. Um, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. Oh my gosh. They will say, the Lord did not appear to you. They will say, they will say, how many times in your life have you been about to set out on something you were so excited about, but the one thing that left you paralyzed in fear was, they will say, they will say, and they won't believe you've got this, and they won't believe in your ability, and they won't believe in the author of this, they won't believe in the God who's calling you to do it, they will say, they will say. how often do we miss it, miss out, don't try, fail, or just fall at this hurdle? Um, the they will say hurdle. We always know what they're going to say. We always know, don't we? We always know. We haven't chatted to anyone. We haven't filled out a survey. We haven't taken this survey on, I don't know, Survey Monkey, and sent it out there to get feedback from the they. We just straight away know they're gonna say this. They're gonna shoot this down. And before we've done anything, before we've stepped out, before we've even had the opportunity to persevere in this, already the they will say is the first one. So for Moses, he's having this dynamic encounter. There's an angel calling out of a burning bush that is not being consumed, okay? (laughs) Like, this is really happening. And his chief concern is what they will say. They will say. He's standing there in front of an angel speaking through a burning bush. Like... Let, let, let's hold that because you see sometimes when we think about the they will say hurdle we think that's you we think that's me oh that's the kind of stuff that, that we go through this is Moses this is Moses there's not many names bigger in the Bible and there's not many names bigger in history in general like I don't know about you um, but I can't think of anyone that's probably set two million slaves free um, you know not a bad day's work not only set them free led them out um provided for them all with nothing <laughs> you know what I mean it's pretty insane leads them to this place which he says is promised for them dies hands over a mantle for someone else to follow in those footsteps who leads them in like he changes history okay and um, this is a defining moment and his biggest concern in this moment is they will say so the reason I wanted to look at that today is because we have to ask the question of ourselves um, with what God is calling us to do with what we're going to step out and do We always look at these stories and we just flow through it. We just flow right on past things like that. And we look at all the big stuff, the amazing stuff that happens with Moses. And we look at that and it's kind of unreal. It's not real to us because it's so far away. But somewhere along the process, somewhere along the line in the journey, Moses had the same kind of issues that you and I have. And straight away, as God's calling him, he's taken off the sandals. He's got serious about connecting with with this God but he's still full of the same excuses that you and I are full of, where we have this moment where we're like, oh, this is awesome, this is amazing, this is brilliant, but we're so scared what everyone else is gonna say. We're so scared what our family's gonna say. Like, oh my gosh. Like, my parents um, brought me up in church. They loved church, and they always wanted me to go into ministry. 
but when I finished um, my GCSEs and um, I hadn't set the world ablaze with my GCSE results, um, they wanted me to kind of like read, do some retakes on a couple and the rest kind of move on to college and just carry on with whatever course that was available, etc. And they wanted me to go to university. My mum always had these hopes for me of going to university. And I remember finishing, getting my GCSE results. Some of them were good, some of them weren't. And um, I remember taking them home and I remember saying to my mum like, oh um, yeah, by the way, um, that's kind of education done for me. Like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything else. She goes, well, what do you mean? What are you gonna do? I'm gonna go, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to Bible college, obviously. She's like, um, no, 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 you're not. Like, no, like you are, yes you are. And I fully support you in this, but not now you're not. Like you're gonna get this sorted. You're gonna move forward. You're gonna go to college You're gonna go to university. And then you're gonna go do that. And I remember being like, actually, no. No, no, I'm not. And she's like, well, no Bible college will take you at this age. You're not old enough to go to any of them. And um, that was true. Um, but they made an exception. <laughs> and they let me on their course. I was like, no, that's it. I'm going. I'm going on it. And I remember one of the biggest challenges I had was, like, it was actually really hard for me seeing my mum. She actually was upset. I think she actually cried um, when I said it. And it wasn't because she wanted me to go to Bible college. It wasn't because she wasn't proud. It wasn't because she wasn't ashamed of me. But she had an idea of where she wanted me to go and where she wanted me to be. And I just knew that God wanted me to be a fool that he was gonna use, Corinthian style. I knew he wanted that for me. I knew that was a plan for my life. And I was totally comfortable with it. Um, like even this week, there was something I'd written at work. Um, not this week. Yeah, actually, the beginning of this week. And um, a colleague turned around to me and said, he goes, you know, I, the way you use that, that, that semicolon in that passage, I could tell you've been to university. And I'm actually, no, 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 I haven't. Um, just saying. He was shocked the way I speak, the way I can, no. It's not me, it's not what I've done. No, didn't go there, pass, go, it's not me. And he was like, oh, did not see that coming. And like this whole thing is sometimes we think, well, actually they will say this. And then I remember the playground when everyone was standing in a circle and it's coming up to that time where you're gonna be leaving school in year 11 and everyone's all kind of huddled around and everyone's sharing their dreams of what they're gonna do. And it's going around one by one by one by one and everyone's sharing the course they're gonna be. And my, I remember my best friend Dave being like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a lawyer, I'm gonna be a barrister, I'm gonna be this, I'm gonna be that, and it goes around, and it comes around to me. And everyone's like, well, what are you doing next? I'm like, oh, I'm going to Bible college. And I remember like one kid stepping forward and just cussing and ripping me out. And then the other two boys stepped forward and went, what's so funny about that? And then it was like, hashtag awkward. Like, you know what I mean? Like, man rolls deep. No, I don't. But the point is like, they will say, they will say, they will say, Going to the family meal uh, during that process where like your, your cousins, your uncles and your aunts and everyone's going off to this college or this university and everyone's doing this and doing that and there's all this competition and comparing of different people that you should never do because it's just pointless and God tells us not to. Um, for realsies. And that's happening and you're there and you're like, oh, they're going to say this. How are you going to provide for yourself? Well, that's the whole thing. I'm not going <laughs> to. It's all belief in a oh God, deity thing kind of means he provides for me. <laughs> That's how this works out. <laughs> this is awkward. All those kind of questions, all those kind of things. But it's not just applied to that. I'm only using those because I can't give you an illustration that's not mine. Because it wouldn't be real to me. I'd just be making it up. Um, or, or something distance. That's me. But we all have those moments where it's like, this is awkward. They're going to say this. They're going to say that. But actually, if we want to achieve the things that God has for us, if we want to do the big things in life, we have to be ready for the they will say. And we have to be ready for it. What I love about God's answer to they will say, though, is just absolutely awesome. 
So then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe in me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. That's a really valid question. I mean, who's had that where God's told you, like, oh, go give that person this word, or go do this, or go do that, and you're in a real life situation, and they're there, and you're like, ah, no. <laughs> Our survey says, that's, that's it, isn't it? It's like, God's saying do that. They're going to say this, God. That's not, hmm, not feeling it, not feeling it. But then he says this, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? I love that. God actually asked him that question. Not, you see what's in your hand. <laughs> like God is like this blind old man. Ah, what is in your hand, sunshine? <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, I love, I love the way he humors this whole kind of narrative. Which is what's great about God, because he does that with you and I. Um, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a surf- serpent. And Moses ran from it. Still not. Still not on that wave, is he? This is an angel of the Lord talking from a burning bush, calling you to set people free. God's promising to do these wonders. Stuff is starting to get real. And um, God has done this before your very eyes. And you're running away from the snake. Uh, You wanted the sign, but you can't handle the sign. (laughs) It's kind of what's going on with Moses. He's asking for things he can't even handle. So like, he's trying to get out of this. Like, I don't think I want this job. You know what I mean? That's kind of what he's doing. And he says, what is that in your hand? So we, we start off with, they will say, that's the first barrier. God's response to that barrier is, what is in your hand? Um, he's got a staff in his hand. And the reason there's a staff in his hand is because Moses is a shepherd. That's his job. And he's looking after his father-in-law's sheep. So often in life, I see people not only worried about what they will say, but only valuing what they see in other people. And they only value the tools someone else has. If I had a computer like that, if I had that clothes, that image, that look, if I had that ability with words, if I was able to teach like that, if I could do maths like that, if I could be an accountant like that, if I could be more businessy, if I could be less distracted, if I could be more organized like that, we're always looking at the other people and what they have to try and get us where we want to go in life. And we're always focused on it. And so Moses' first thing is what they will say. His eyes and his ears are just focused on other people and his focus isn't, isn't quite in the right place yet. And so God brings him straight back to home, straight back to him, um, back in the room. He says, what is in your hand? Moses said, a staff. God is looking to use what's in your hand. He's not looking to use what's in Davy Jones's locker. He's not looking to use what is in Shaniqua's handbag. He's not looking to use what is in like anyone else's hand. He's asking what is in your hand? What is your skill set? What do you have right now? Everyone is always looking at other people. And even when we know we have a skill set, we still try to fumble about into a different random occupational area of gifting or whatever and we go oh because we don't value it we don't realize what is in our hand and so often I see people always looking elsewhere for approval if only I had their skill I would be so valid no what is in your hand not someone else's yours God is going to use what is in your hand to liberate other people God is going to use what is in your hand not someone else's your hand this week God's going to use 
your gifting this week. God's going to use your attitude this week. God's going to use you where you are with the people you know in your life. Not someone else's, not Shaniqua's, yours. And we're always focused on someone else. God is going to use your skills to change a generation. You cannot look down at what is in your hand any longer. It's not on. You can't look down at what is in your hand. And the reason you can't is because Moses was a prince in Egypt and he's now a shepherd, which in their culture is the lowest job you could ever have. And so every day he's been carrying this staff that reminds him he's a loser. He's an absolute loser. He's a waste man. He is a waste of space. And he's carrying the item that confirms his status, verified on his Twitter profile as a waste man. It is in his hand, right there and then. That's what he's holding. And so often we don't understand it. When God is saying, what is in your hand? He's talking about a very vulnerable and painful experience for Moses. Very painful. Prince of Egypt. Waste man. There's a huge divide that takes place. And you and I, we feel like we have to act like we're something more than we are. We feel like we have to look to some gifting we don't have. We feel like we have to worry about what someone else is going to say when God's going, oh, what's that waste man thing you've got in your hand? Oh, that stupid, awkward thing that you do, Andy, sometimes when you're speaking and you go on a random tangent where you don't even know where you're going. Oh, yeah, I'm going to use that today. Like I'm just like, oh, why I do that again? You know what I mean? And he's just like, wicked, great. That's what's in your hand. Let's run with that. It's a bit awkward at times, goes wrong, have to edit things out of talks. That's okay. I'm going to use that. And then sometimes you don't know and you meet someone afterwards and they're like, oh, that's time you said that. And I'm like, oh, oh, wow, yeah, didn't mean, mean, I find myself apologising for what was in my hand. No, it's what was in my hand. God is going to use that. What is in your hand? God is going to use what is in your hand to silence the haters. Hashtag fact. That's what he does. Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground. It became like a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said, Moses, put your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it by it and it became a staff in his hand again. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of, our fa- of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. He put it inside his hand inside his cloak and when he took it out behold his hand was leprous like snow and God said put your hand back inside your cloak so he put it back inside his cloak and when he took it out behold it was restored like the rest of his flesh if they will not believe you God said or listen to the first sign they will believe the latter sign if they will not believe even those two signs or listen to your voice you should take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground and the water you will take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground but Moses said to the Lord Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow in speech and of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? (laughs) Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Isn't I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Oh, This is where he starts getting qualified for the job. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. He said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. 
and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you will do the signs. Moses went back to Jephro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. So he doesn't even go with the whole shebang. He's like, "Mm, not too sure they are. (laughs) And Jephro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who are seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. Moses took the staff of God in his hand. He goes with his family. He goes in faith. He goes in obedience. And he is holding what was in his hand. He's holding what was in his hand. Like, for a lot of us, that sounds like, well, yeah, obviously, he's holding what was in his hand. Look at all that great stuff that happened. But you have to realize there's also an element of like slight weirdness about this. So he is still holding the very thing that reminds him of being a waste man. And he's taking that with him. And he's not taking that with him to, to leave his job at Sainsbury's. Um, nothing against Sainsbury's. Just trying to pick a box, uh, just a standard job really. Like, you know, working in a supermarket, whatever. Or... And I'm using Sainsbury's because I need a uniform. Otherwise, I'd have said like Bimman or something. I don't know. So he's leaving Sainsbury's and he's, told, he's handing his notice, Jeffro. Not going to be looking after the sheep anymore, mate. <laughs> That's pretty much what he's doing. Going back to Aegis, see if they're alive. And he's going. And he's taking in his hand this stick with him. Do you know what that's like? That's like leaving your job at Sainsbury's, but you're still wearing the uniform out and about town. Do you understand? He's got no sheep. He's walking with his family to Egypt with a donkey, his wife and two kids, and he's got no sheep. He's walking with a staff. He's got no sheep behind him. They're all with Jethro. He's not taking the sheep with him. So he's literally going to Egypt with a staff. Like, we just read it. We just read the Bible, and we just read through this passage, and we're cool with it. We're totally cool with it. But actually, when you read the story, you're like, say what? What the hell are you doing? Like, I know God told you to take it, but like, could you look more like an absolute mug? He's going to rock up at the most powerful nation in the world, speak to some slaves, convince them that God spoke to them, do a few party tricks, a few miracles, and he's going to go, okay, guys, I'm going to speak on your behalf to, to Pharaoh. I'm not very good with words, but I'll give it a bash. What you got? I've got a stick. I've got a staff. Where's your sheep? I ain't got them. And you know what? You know what's the best thing about this? Like, like I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. When he went to speak with Pharaoh and he walks in there with that staff, like, he could have dropped a New York Times best-selling book how to pee off the most powerful man in the world in one easy step. You're going to come and talk to him as an equal whilst you're clearly in the occupation of a Sainsbury's worker. Do you understand the picture? It's like I'm going to speak to Donald Trump tomorrow in a Sainsbury's uniform. Please, I'm not dissing Sainsbury's. We can talk about Tesco, we can talk about Morrison's, Waitrose, 
you know, we can go classy. I don't, I don't care. We could go Lidl, Audi, whatever. I just, that's not the classy ones, by the way. That isn't my idea at all. Up in the world, like no. You know what I mean? He's going to talk to Donald Trump in that in that kind of a uniform, a nutter who thinks he's God. You know what I mean? He's going to speak to Pharaoh who actually believes his own hype. How mental are you when you believe your own hype? Pharaoh believes his own hype. And he's going there with a staff, with no sheep. <laughs> with no sheep. <laughs> Am I the only guy who finds that odd? <laughs> I wouldn't walk into a meeting at work with, my senior, with the senior management and go, Annie, why? Why, why have you got that staff? What are you doing? Like, yeah, it's, it, is, it is hashtag bizarre. He is, the thing is, he's now a dude walking around with a stick, a shepherd who has no sheep. And the best bit of all of this is, oh my gosh, it, it does actually get better than this. And the Lord says to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles I've put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. <laughs> then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So he's letting Moses know straight up, by the way, we're going to go through this whole rigmarole, you're going to do all this stuff, and I think they're pretty awesome tricks, Moses, but by the way, they're not going to work. And the reason they're not going to work Nothing to do with Pharaoh, he's going to totally dig what you do. But I'm actually going to harden his heart against you so that he won't let them go. Moses must be just sitting there like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this job? I look ridiculous. Now you're going to tell me I'm not going to be successful in the job. And then you're going to threaten the most powerful man in the world who believes he's God. And you're going to say, they're my firstborn son. If you don't let my firstborn son go, I'm going to kill your firstborn son go. Which is a huge thing because Ra is seen as the literal embodiment of God. His son is literally seen as the promised continuation of God's presence among the people. And so Ra got moved to. is literally what he's saying to Moses in this passage. Um, so that is where we are going to end today's story, really. This is not going to be straightforward, Moses. That's what he's saying. This is not going to go straightforward. You're going to do all the wonders I've given you and I'm going to work against them in an even more wondrous way and make the most powerful man in the world say, how about no, Scott? God is letting Moses know he is going to have to persevere. This isn't going to be straightforward. And if it wasn't straightforward for Moses, none of us have any right to think it's going to be straightforward for us. And God may call you to go to work tomorrow in a Sainsbury's uniform. Can you imagine that? You leave your job and you go to your new one in the old uniform. And you've been upgraded to a freedom fighter. You've been upgraded to a man who's going to run and build a new nation. Set captives free. And you're going to bust up to work in a hobo's outfit. Because you're a shepherd with no sheep. You're basically rocking up with a P45, no guaranteed employment, and you're going to try calling the shots to the most powerful man in the world. That's what happens in Exodus. And you know what? That's exactly what God does today. Because he told me to go start a church, to quit a job, leave the home I had, move in with my parents, 
go with £2,000, rent a venue straight from the start. The dumbest idea ever, but he's faithful. And every time when we've had no money and we're about to go bust, he does it. Every time, to the point where whenever the money disappears, don't even stress anymore. Oh, is that what it is? Oh, great. That's cool. I know who you are. I know how great you are. You called us, you sent us, you do this. When we didn't have a home, some days I did fret, some days I did stress, but you gave us a home. And now it's keeping it. I'm afraid, oh, am I gonna lose this guy? Ah, no, you gave it to me. This is your problem. I'm not gonna run around with all the stress of it anymore because I'm a hobo walking around with a staff. I'm a, I'm a weird guy that I, I, oh my gosh, I told a senior manager at work, oh yeah, and I run a church in my spare time. He burst out laughing. He, bur he couldn't believe it. He nearly had a, he, he nearly actually, he nearly, I mean, the poor guy nearly seized up. You, you do what now? Yeah, I run a church in my spare, t spare time. Just, he was in bits. Just couldn't stop laughing. It's preposterous. But he does it. He does it. I'm gonna pray for us because we need it. Father, we need you to speak to us. We need you to be with us because this week you could be calling us going to work with the wrong uniform on. You could be telling us to speak to the most powerful people as if we're equal to them. We could be telling people how things are gonna be. Not because we're grandiose or full of ourselves. Moses clearly wasn't. He was absolutely petrified. Who wouldn't be? But you wanna speak through us. You want us to not worry about what they will say. You want us to not focus on what someone else has in their hands, but what we have in ours. Because in our greatest weakness, you are strong. Moses must have looked ridiculous, but who's laughing now? He set over two million people free, liberated them from their oppression. Well, you did. He just got the pleasure of watching and being a part of it, the madness. Father, may you cause such madness in all our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.